Never heard of the Millennium Fault? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kepler run less than 12 parsecs. to Kessel Run Weekly. This is Cheyenne. Uh, I actually got up and did my makeup host today. <laughs> um, but we do and are visited by a special guest. Nathan, introduce yourself. Hi everyone, I'm Nathan. I'm a Star Wars The Last Fan Group mod all the way from Scotland in the UK. And Cheyenne asked me if I wanted to come on this very special episode. And why, why would I say no? This is such a great opportunity with some great personalities. So... You know, I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm a I'm a student as well, business and economics. Oh wow! And that's that's really that's really all you need to know about me for now. <laughs> except that I love Star Wars, though I have a Star Trek tattoo. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Do you I'm have any Star Wars tattoos? I have no Star Wars tattoos because as much as I love Star Wars lore, to to all the little fine grains you can find, I kind of think visually. Nothing I see fits for tattoos. Mm. I don't want portrait tattoos because they scare me in case the actor who portrays that person does something silly. That's true. That's so true. I never thought of it that way. I have a Star Wars, I have multiple Star Wars tattoos, but I have a portrait one planned. Um, but it's it's only going to be like kind of portraity, but it's going to be Darth Maul because that's never going to change. <laughs> I'm never... I, when, I was, when I was eight years old, um, I was at a, a carnival somewhere and I got my face painted and I wanted, I don't know why, I, I didn't seem to understand the context of this character, but I wanted my face painted like Darth Vader. And <laughs> that just, you can't paint someone's face like Darth Vader at a, a carnival. That's not, that's not feasible. He has lots of different angles on his face. <laughs> Do you, want, do you want to just do you want to just do Darth Maul, Nathan? Would you prefer to just do Darth Maul? That's a lot easier for us painters. <laughs> and I was like, sure, sure, we'll do Darth Maul. But Darth Maul scared me as a kid, so I, that's how I got over my fear. Nice. I I had to be him to get over my fear of him. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I um I actually just told this story to Lauren, but when I saw him in the theater, Phantom Menace was my first movie, and I saw it in theaters, and he was my favorite from the beginning. And then I kind of like lost all of my Star Wars gumption, kind of in middle school, I would say. Um, I still watched it and loved it, but I wasn't, like, an active fan, you know? Uh, and then late high school, it just hit me <laughs> like a wall of bricks, and I was like, wow, I love this man. I love his character. And it's so weird because his character, like, until until recently was very surface level. So... Yeah, I don't know. He's, he's he's a curious cat, that mall, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I the first the first Star Wars film I saw um, in the cinema was the Clone Wars two thousand eight. Wow. That was the, that was the first Star Wars film I saw in theaters. I was I was a fan of Star Wars when the prequels were out, but it was mm -hmm. more kind of through friends who had seen them, and I hadn't seen the films. I was just playing along, mm -hmm. and then I saw the original cuts of the original trilogy on VHS someone in my family had them and it wasn't like a, oh the special editions versus the originals it just happened to be, that was the version they owned so I didn't know the special editions were a thing why would I care? When I first saw the special editions I actually thought they were really cool because it was like, oh this is more Star Wars yeah. Jabba the Hutt and a New Hope how cool is this? Mm -hmm. You know. Then I grew older and have other opinions but we'll leave them out for now <laughs> and um, 
but then I saw the prequels after I'd, I second saw Star Wars and the release order accidentally if you take away the Clone Wars film um, I always had a big chip in my soldier with Star Trek <laughs> let me try that again <laughs> I always had a big chip on my shoulder for Star Trek when I was younger because um, in my mind there were six Star Wars films mm-hmm. and I was a big Star Wars fan but there was n- millions of hours of Star Trek and I was like why does Star Trek get all the Star Trek's got all the content and we've only got six Star Wars films and that's yeah. it this, this, is, this is crap yeah it's and I've never been a huge Star Trek fan simply because I don't think I've ever given it a chance I'm not gonna lie <laughs> I, I didn't I, I watch it until Star I was older. Star Wars. Um, so I had um, I was Star Wars fan. Then I have a neighbor who was um, she, her job was looking after elderly people. Mm-hmm. And one of the people she was looking after, he I hear she I'm not familiar with who it was, but they unfortunately passed away. And he had a massive collection of Star Trek, Deep Space Nine VHS tapes. And wow. she was like, oh, my neighbor's kid, Nathan, he likes Star Wars. And she was under the impression that this is more Star Wars stuff. She didn't know the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah. And she said, this is, this is that Star Wars stuff that Nathan likes. And <laughs> I was like, oh, there's some Star Wars stuff I haven't seen. I've seen the six films and I've heard of this thing called The Holiday Special. And I've heard of this thing called The Ewok Adventure. But I've never seen them. So I thought that's what these VHS tapes were. And she brought them round to my house cardboard boxes filled with them and I opened up and it was Star Trek wow the hell Star, Trek? Star Trek was that thing that I saw the Chris Pine film in 2009 yeah that was mine. Uh, so that was the first Star Trek film I saw and then I saw oh that, that's that Chris Pine film I saw so I, looked, I went through the VHS tapes this is we're getting into 2010 here so my Star Wars Trek, Trek fandom's like 10 years old whereas my Star Wars fandom's like I know I'm 21 uh, it's maybe 18 years old mm-hmm. and um, I gave it a chance and then for a long time through the, the dark ages when nothing was happening I kind of shot into Star Trek and then when Star Wars came back and that first trailer hit for The Force Awakens in 2014 mm-hmm. uh oh <laughs> the world exploded Disney watched Lucasfilm who saw that coming mm-hmm. not a 16 year old kid from Scotland yeah yeah I did I had no idea what was what I was in for when I was like, okay, I'm just going to dive right back in, you know. Um, speaking of diving, let's get into your interview, too. Um, so we already kind of answered the first question. It was, when did you get into Star Wars? Um, so via Friends and also the Clone Wars movie in 2008, which is cool. I've never actually met anybody that that was what their, like, theatrical introduction to Star Wars, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, so some sillier questions. What's your what's your favorite lightsaber battle? Oh, you could ask me tomorrow and I'd give you a completely different answer. Um, That's true. For a while, for a long time, I not necessarily because of its choreography, but my fight for the longest favorite fight for the longest time was Obi Wan versus Darth Vader on the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Right, I thought, I, but it was more the symbolism of what it represented and less the the visuals, which were. Great in 1977. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know what? It was, um, and then it switched a long time to uh, Luke versus Vader on the second Death Star and the Emperor's Throne Room. Mm-hmm. Then sometimes it was Anakin versus Obi-Wan and Mustafar 
right now as I'm speaking to you, and this could just be because it's fresh in my memory, mm. but it could be Ahsoka versus Maul in the throne room of Mandalore. Yeah, it's good. You know, it's it's, it's, so it's good. a good fight, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It, it's 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 it looks great. It's pres- the motion capture. They got Ray Park, the Darth Maul. Yeah. You, do it, you can tell when you look at the footwork. It's he's also Scottish, by the way. He's um, amazing. <laughs> and you know, it's just there's something something great about it and again ask me tomorrow I can tell you something else but this is this is how I'm feeling right now when you've asked me, you've asked me <laughs> and that's what matters me. yeah I feel that's like my matters. answer to these questions changes all the time um because my favorite lightsaber battle is Duel of the Fates but some days it's the one that we saw yeah Ahsoka and Maul in the throne room some days it's the Rise of Skywalker on the Death Star one uh yes. over the water I do love that fight but I mean, have you seen an edit with that where someone's put in um, Battle of Heroes playing over it? No. It, 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 I, it, in my mind, it changed the whole dynamic of yeah. it because it, it actually made it more exciting in my mind. Great fight with or without it. Yeah. Right? Um, but something about it again, poetry. It rhymes. Anyone listening to this will know the old, the old, the old PR spins that George Lucas has said about Star Wars, mm. and it, it works. It works in a way, and you can you feel more invested because it's thing you know. Yeah. You know? Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I'll have to find that edit. Um, who is your favorite character? My favorite character. Yeah. Oh. Well, we were here to discuss a certain figure later <laughs> on, but um, you know, I I again, it could change Captain Rex for for a long time again because yeah. of my introduction in the cinema. I I've been a fan of prequels and stuff through friends beforehand but on the big screen I love the clones clones are great and Captain Rex who can you know we like Cody but he's away doing other stuff a lot of the time Rex is your boy yeah Rex do you care about the Bible first um but you know I again Jedi for a long time it was Kit Fisto because he was the only one apart from Mace Windu that held out against Palpatine yeah that's true <laughs> I loved him because he <laughs> because of his accent because my so when I got older um I was discovering my ancestry and my family is Jamaican Chinese so to have Kit Fisto be like representative somehow yeah I was like yeah you must you must be very proud in the Revenge of the Sith when all the other Jedi Council members <laughs> fell he got a couple of hits in before he died yeah he's like I can kind of handle it I can kind of handle it. Everyone else couldn't. Sam Jackson is in the league of his own. Yeah. And Kit Fisto is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Favorite quote, if you have one. Because I know that's very, like, there's a broad amount of quotes. <laughs> oh, oh my. Um, you know, again, quotes. I there's certain things, unlike the late great Carrie Fisher, who can rec- who could recite the entire script to A New Hope. I don't think I'm capable of it, and sometimes lines, you know, come to me. Like sometimes when I'm off, when I'm trying to argue a point about something in Star Wars, mm-hmm. the line to the thing I'm referencing can just come to me. And I can say it, no bother. But then you ask me, and I'm like, oh, oh no, <laughs> yeah. well, what am I gonna say? Um, I could say that, you know, one of my favourite monologues is the tale of Darth Plagueis the Wise. That's true. But like, that's not necessarily one quote, but the scene itself is great. Yeah. Ian McDermott even references it to being one of his most wonderful scenes where they go to the opera. You know, he mentioned that at Star Wars Celebration. Mm-hmm. In Christensen and George Lucas on stage, I believe. 
Yeah, it's it's a beautiful scene that when I was a kid, like, I remember watching the scene and taking it all in, but, like, not knowing what it meant. And then, like, now as an adult, reflecting on, like, child Cheyenne for even paying attention to that scene. Like, somehow in my subconscious as a kid, I knew that that scene was important and meant a lot. And it was intriguing, even though nothing was going on besides talking, you know? And so I'm, fa- I'm always fascinated by that scene because it does, it means so much to the story. Um, but it's so very relaxed. <laughs> yes, but despite, I w- see, I would contend there with the relax. I think there's a lot of tension in that scene. Like, I'm like, I'm gripped. It's something, some of the greatest scenes in film, any film, Star Wars, whatever you're choosing, can just be the dialogue scenes. Mm-hmm. There was a great scene in, the, in Ocean's Eleven between George Clooney and, um, oh, who plays his wife in, who plays his wife in it? I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> I haven't watched Ocean's Eleven since it came out. Oh, wonderful, wonderful actor. Oh, I can't remember her name. Someone will tell me that I will be a fool. And I watched the film recently, which is why it's in my head. But there's a scene between her and him, and they're like estranged um, husband and wife. And they're having a discussion around the dinner table, and he comes to see her, even though she doesn't want to see him anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, they're not, this part of the film doesn't really relate to the heist. This is more of a personal moment for the characters, and it's just oozing just dialogue they're not trying to rob a bank at this moment or a casino but the dialogue and mm-hmm. the chemistry is just it drips off the screen and that scene at the opera between anakin skywalker and she palpatine is on par yeah yeah that's a good point um i i've learned to since my fascination with film um and writing and things i've learned to take in those scenes more and it's it's satisfying it definitely helps just sometimes, kind of enjoy, you know. <laughs> sometimes for me, the action can not be exhausting, but the re- when you asked me what my favorite lightsaber fight was, I consciously wasn't able to say um, the one with Darth Maul, Qui Gon, Obi Wan, Joel mm-hmm. Fate, because someone now it, maybe I'm about to pass on a disease to you, <laughs> but um, someone mentioned to me that near the end of that fight, after Qui Gon falls and Obi Wan and Maul are fighting, mm-hmm. you can see how much it looks like a pre-arranged dance that's being had and when you click into that now I love the fights in the prequels I think they are the best fights actually in all mm-hmm. Star Wars uh, to, to see but so when someone clicked into me that looks like a dance near the end it really takes me out every time I see it I'm like oh they really are just doing pre-arranged dancing it interesting and that's why sometimes for me the dialogue scenes can be all more rich and people gave the prequels a lot of crap for um for the politics and the talking, mm-hmm. some of those scenes are my favourite scenes. You know, the, the, my my one of my criticisms of the sequel trilogy is maybe didn't go into the politics enough of the galaxy. That's true. Yeah, and for me, because for me, I I don't understand real world politics, so <laughs> understanding Star Wars politics has always been an inability of mine. Um, yeah. So like that's why I even started Clone Wars commentary, the show that we'll get to later, because. I was like, I need to rewatch this because there's so much more explanation and depth to the politics in this show that will help me understand what I missed in the prequels when I was a kid. Um, and then what I still what I still currently miss but am starting to understand better, um, simply because I'm paying attention more to those parts, you know? As a kid, I was just like, yes, yes, fights, yes. And then, like, now I'm just like, I need to know why you all hate each other so much. <laughs> When people give um, George Lucas 
a lot of trouble because they think that the prequels, maybe despite the stories being solid, the execution wasn't perfect. I will think that the story is that good that I will forgive the execution because when you do look at the politics and the, um, the story being told and the messages in there, it is strangely relevant when you see people, you know, and especially Palpatine or Benjamin the Sith and how that echoes into the real world without being too specific, but anywhere in the world. Um, you, you, these, the general tale is the echoes forever. It doesn't become any, any less relevant. Now you could see a better filmmaker could do a better job, but the core is there and it still echoes. You can see it. The episodes that we're going to be talking about later today, um, that has some messages in it. And when you talk about how maybe you enjoy the Star Wars politics because you're not up to date in the real world politics or fully understanding it, that kind of ties into why I'm such a big fan of Star Trek. Because Star Trek deals with a lot of, or tries to anyway, mm -hmm. with a lot of real world issues and it tries to discuss them without becoming preachy. Whether or not people think they're ever successful at I don't know. Mm -hmm. I have my opinions on certain ways Star Trek does stuff and other ways it's done it brilliantly historically. And I think that if Star Wars is able to keep stories true through time, even if they were made in 2005 or 2003, <coughs> when it comes to 2020 and you can watch them, you can go, shit, yeah. I, I, I can see that on CNN now. I can mm -hmm. see it on the BBC. And you go, wow, George, George you're a wonderful man. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible, and it yeah, like you said, it's timeless basically. Um, so when we when you think about Star Wars, what keeps you coming back to the fandom, to the movies, to the content of it all? Probably a lot of nostalgia. Um, surprisingly, the music holds a lot as well. Mm, yeah. um, sometimes when I'm walking when I'm walking to work, or I'm just out for a walk, and I've got my AirPods in. And, you know, I'm flexing on everyone. <laughs> I can just, you know, um, I, I can lose myself in John Williams. I can go to Indiana Jones. I can go to Jaws. You know, I can go to Harry Potter, Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. I'll always, I will always consistently come back to Star Wars, though. You can hear the opening crawl. You can, I, I, I tell you what, right, sometimes I've been able to tell what version of the opening crawl I'm listening to based on just how it sounds. Wow. Because they record you every time. And... I just, it's, it's the fantasy of it all, you know, that it, the old serialization, that's something I think the Clone Wars done great when it, um, it, it didn't give us a crawl, but it gave us like a World War Two and a writer voice at the start, you know? Yeah. It's, it's all the things that George was a big fan of, and um, I think what keeps me coming back is also, the, is also the friends that I know, and we all love it, you know? Um, as, as I've said, I'm a mod in one of our Star Wars groups on Facebook and on social media, and we have a massive following there. And it's, it's such a great place to be. The, the Star Wars community was, has been given a lot of shit the last few years. Yeah. <clears throat> but I honestly, I not to sound like I'm above it all, but I honestly do kind of sort of feel above it all. I know what I think about a film, and I also know why I think what I think about a film in most cases. And when someone ever tries to attribute criticism to other motives, I know what I'm thinking. I know that it's not true. I don't need to justify myself for things that I love. Okay. You don't like them, sir or madam. I tip my hat to you, and maybe we can get on in another facet when we talk about the Clone Wars, you know. But in this area, yeah. we just go part ways. Yeah. I know. I know. I like it. If, if you don't like it, so be it. But I, I like it. Yeah. It's like that. 
Exactly, yeah. I agree. Like, the, the fandom is, even though it's getting a lot of crap, um, like, I mean, I even, like, angry tweeted about something the other day because yesterday or last night or something because I read the comment section of somebody's post and I was just like, why did I do that? But <laughs> I, like, had to share my anger for a minute, but then I was just like, you know what? Like, I don't deal with these people. I just delete and block comments if I get anything like that. Typically, I don't. Um, which is nice and reassuring. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things that like being a part of the fandom, it's so much bigger than I expected it to be when I, my first, uh, celebration was Orlando 2017 or 16 or whatever yeah. it was. Um, I was here on my season at a job and my mom lived in Gainesville and I said, Hey, Mark Hamill's doing a panel at this convention called Star Wars Celebration. We should go. She's like, what are you talking about? And I drug her out of bed at 5 a.m. And we drove to Orlando for two hours. And that was it. That was peak. This is I'm what I'm doing for the rest of my life. <laughs> the benefits of living on the right side of the Atlantic. Yeah, exactly. It's the It was the only good thing. <laughs> um. <laughs> I am... See, that, that's the thing. Things like Star Wars Celebration, they seem like they would be great experiences. Um, but with their... Just because, you know, the Star Wars Celebration London... I, I mean, I went, I'm at the top of the UK, and London's at the bottom of the UK. Mm -hmm. That's... that's it's, The UK is minuscule compared to the US, but it's still a travel, you know? And oh, yeah. tickets are a nightmare. I, I go to Comic-Con. I, I go to the proper, you know, the proper con, not mm -hmm. San Diego, New York, but I, I go to the yeah. Comic-Cons we have here, and it's run by the same organisation, so it's the official one. And that's a nightmare, and that ha that doesn't have a fraction of the amount of people who've travelled down south to go to, see Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. Conventions really burn me out physically and mentally, but sometimes the rush of being there with people that genuinely have an appreciation of the same thing you have can be, can be quite energising in the moment. When you, when you go back to your hotel room at the end of the night, you're like, oh God. Yeah. I've got a weekend pass. I need to do this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My friends, they like, they'll stay up all night drinking and stuff. And I'm just like, I got to go to sleep. Bye. Like I did my first cosplay at Celebration Chicago and um, I wore heels because I was in Kira and I brought Converse with me because I knew I wasn't going to last long, but we had to wait outside and I'm from Florida. So as much as I love the cold, I'm not built for the cold. So we're standing outside in the cold, in my heels, on concrete, not moving. So my feet are just swelling. And we get to the con floor and I'm just running around like in these heels and changing every few hours into my shoes, into my Converse shoes. And I was just like, this is insane. Like, I'm not going to be able to stay up tonight. I got to go to bed. I got to ice my feet. <laughs> I love it, but I'm not good at it. What what is the temperature today? We have a grand total of 15 Celsius, ladies and gentlemen. That's the height of summer right there. That's so good. You know what? That is that is hot for us. That is burning hot. I might as well be standing on the sun. Wow. I have, I have no intention of spending too much time outside today. You know, I can wow. see the sun. That's amazing. It's what temperatures are today. I don't it's know. philosophy is better to be colder and heat yourself up than to be warm and cool yourself down. Thank you. Exactly. That's exactly my point. That's why I'm trying to leave Florida. I'm trying to get the heck out of here. I don't know what this translates into Celsius, but it's 81 degrees Fahrenheit in Florida right now. 
so it's hot. I don't have a converter on hand, but that sounds hotter than 15 Celsius. Yeah, it's horrible. I hate it. I think I it is. That's my Alexa, but I don't think we want a cameo in the video. <laughs> the um, okay, if you could, another sillier question, if you could own any creature from the Star Wars universe, so pet, friend, sidekick, anything like that, what would it be? Right, okay, so, so not necessarily just like a pet, but also just like a little character that's not quite human sentience level? Yeah, but not necessarily, yeah, not like sentience level. Right, okay, so this could involve anything from a Lothcat to R2-D2. Yes. Right. I would definitely want an astromech droid. Okay. Um, an astro I think an astromech droid would be great. Um, hell for getting upstairs. True. But, um, you know, I know he can fly, you know, and yeah. I imagine um, that he would have no problem with that whatsoever. I, but I hear, right, so I'm a bit conflicted, right? And mm -hmm. damn you, whoever came up with the idea for a ball bot. But oh, man. I love... I love the BB-8 design. Mm -hmm. I think it's magnificent. I love BB-8. It sounds really cool. Yeah. But there's nostalgia I have for an astromech from R2, you know. Um, I think I would need... To... Can I choose multiple? <laughs> yeah. I, I will take an astromech, I'll take a ball bot, and I'll take a lothcat. Nice. Lothcats. Though lothcats are a lot cuter, and I'm more of a dog person, but the wolves scare me, and... Um, Lothcats and Rebels are nice, and in that Lothcat we saw in the, Mandal the Mandalorian, I'm yeah. quite horrifying, actually. I've yeah. said Lothcat, but now I'm thinking, do I actually want a Lothcat? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tear your face up, too. Those claws and teeth, they don't play any games. Right, okay, yeah, you've, you've convinced me I'm taking the Lothcat away. <laughs> no Lothcat. Here. That's and so funny. You need a look, I need to get a Lothcat happy. I always like kind of struggle with the question because I'm such an animal person. I literally have a book called The Wildlife of Star Wars, and I haven't looked through all of it consistently, but I need to. But I really love the Varactyl, the thing that Obi Wan rides on Utapau. Oh yeah, that it's was so cool. And it's, yeah, yeah, and it's pretty. Well, I ride horses, so I'll keep it at the barn with my horse. Right, okay. Well, you're in a unique position. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I also... I have, I have no stables to speak of. <laughs> I also really love porgs. Like, I love porgs. But I think they'd be annoying. If I... Actually, porgs is like the tribbles of Star Wars. And tribbles are... You know what tribble is? Is it the thing from Harry Potter? Oh, then no. This little ball of furs in Star Trek, they just part and they multiply, and you get you have one, then the next day you have five, and the next day you have fifty, and the next. Uh, you just I the thought they were the little. Table. What are the balls of fur from Harry Potter then? Balls of fur from Harry Potter. I'm a yeah. big Harry Potter fan as well. I've got my Harry Potter wand <laughs> sitting on camera. I was at Harry Potter World in London last year. Um, what balls? I don't know what they're called. This is this is a sidetrack that I want to go down. <laughs> Because I will think about an hour in, and I'll be like, ah, it's stopping. I mean, I feel like I know what it's called, but I, I guess I was wrong because I thought you meant that with tribbles. Um, what color would your lightsaber be? So, I think blue is a nicer color. We, we're pursuing one. Well, because I, I love red. Red guy. I'm a crimson man. But um. I feel like there's too many evil connotations. I couldn't be a Jedi with a red lightsaber without raising some questions. True. Um, I always thought for a long time I would want to be more of a Force Jedi because um, 
and also my Street Fighter. Mm -hmm. But that would mean I need the green lightsaber, probably need one, but if I want to follow the lore. The blue's nicer than green, and then I like gold, but I, I kind of I have issues with gold lightsabers. Mm -hmm. I, kinda, like, I like them, they're visually very nice. I'm actually using that red skin in Battlefront 2 with the, with the gold lightsaber. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of think it's a bit of a cheat. <laughs> I, I kind of think it's just uh, by, by, by too many asterisks attached to it before I would agree to use one. Um, I think I would need to say blue. Blue, alright. Don't ask me about health. Please don't ask me about health. Don't be here forever. <laughs> no, no, you're good. That was it. That's it for the interview. I was trying to think about what color I would want. I really don't think about it very often. I'm very, I'm very, very much a Sith person. Which is weird, because I feel like, I feel so wrong when I say that. Do you, do you take joy in the, the, the torment of others? No! And that's you, my... you, you torture love cats? No! I'm do, such do, a do, nice do, person. Do you, do you eat porgs? Probably. Probably would. So, so would I, but that's because that's I don't like them. I don't like them. Porgs are I... language, like them. Porgs are awful, and they should never... See, I need, like... One so to cuddle Ridley with. No. When Daisy Ridley was asked about porgs and they said they were there for a day and they're gone, that's all I want to talk about. I felt like that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. They're, they're an infestation on the Falcon. That's you true. Should get, you should get the Millennium Falcon fumigated. Have you ever been to Galaxy's Edge in either land? I haven't. So when you get into Smuggler's Run and you go into the and walk through the queue in the Millennium Falcon, there's little porg nests in some places. Oh, it's oh, really oh, funny. Oh, <laughs> it's I amazing. Them. I, just, I, I, I couldn't. I, I would see them and I would turn around. <laughs> you don't. There's no porgs in them. They're just the nest part. You don't. I think you might be able to hear them at certain points. I could be wrong they about they that. Have, they make a nice sound. But because I think they should have more smaller feet. But the fact they've got kind of chicken legs kind of freak me out. Yeah, it's weird. Like, what are you doing with chicken legs? You <laughs> have little small puffy feet. It's like, easier to hold them by, so you can eat them. <laughs> they were designed with like shish kebab sticks already in them. Yeah. Oh man. I also just want to know. I know there's probably details about this somewhere. It's got to be like in Ryan Johnson's notes. But when they saw puffins, and they were like. Porgs. <laughs> this is essentially what they are. I mean, Michael Skelly Island, where they filmed back to his Jedi Temple, that's in south of Ireland. And puffins can be found kind of all around the north coast and the west coast of Scotland. Mm -hmm. Puffins are quite. I, I used to always think puffins were more tropical because their beaks are funky. Yeah. And I think there are different kinds of puff puffins, and I think some of them are more tropical. I'm not sure. But they're definitely quite common here where I live. Um, I love puffins. More near the coast. I'm in the central belt in the big city. Mm -hmm. I don't see many puffins, you know, in street corners smoking yeah. cigarettes and, you know, like rough that want to yeah. sell, you a, sell you a dodgy watch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right. Well, that was the interview. Now that our guests have gotten to know you, we can talk more about Count Dooku, which is why we're here today. Um, for my listeners that have... Uh, kind of kept up with the character chats. We've done like Padme and Leia, Ahsoka. Um, I just recorded an episode about Ventress, so that one will post pretty soon. Um, but yours is coming out after that, so you'll be my second dark side person. Uh, yeah, when you asked me about, the about what character I wanted to talk about, and I, I asked to see who'd already been spoken about, I noticed the dark side wasn't getting enough love. 
Nice. I love it. So why did you feel, huh? I had to stand for the dark side in this one. Yes, exactly. See, <laughs> I'm not alone in this. Everybody's got a little dark side in them. Um, why did you feel inclined to talk about Dooku today? Like, what what do you like about him that made you want to have this conversation about him? Count Dooku, Lord Tyrannus, <laughs> is a tragic character in Star Wars. However, not tragic the way Maul's tragic, where he was beat down all of his life and then he became, you know, the head of Mandalore, but he was still kind of the victim of the planning, getting bounced around. Mm-hmm. Dooku is a victim of the politics, but I think he never quite knew that he was a victim until he had scissors on his neck by one Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. I don't think he knew where this was going. I, I, I don't know what he thought, but the politics, this, the scene we were talking about the politics of Star Wars earlier on, Dooku's a big reason for why, um, Dooku is a reason for why I like that and why I want to talk about in the politics, because he's an ex-Jedi turned politician idealist who... I think had he not turned Sith, I think he would have joined the Separatists anyway. One thing that Star Wars and New Canon really hasn't gone into much is why are all the Jedi just loyal to the Republic? Why? There's a lot of flaws in the Jedi Order, and I mean this from a lower point of view, I don't think mm-hmm. it's accidental, they deliberate. That's what led to their fall. They were so monolithic in nature where any dissenters, they were just excommunicated from the Order, you know? They weren't supposed to be involved in the politics. They were just a religious order that used flashy lightsaber swords. Um, the fact that their generals is mental isn't enough, but they should have been neutral. And if any of them wanted to sympathize with the separatists from the Jedi point of view, why not? Mm-hmm. So I think the fact that he turned Sith is rather, I think he was probably more pushed to it than anything. And I always wonder if maybe Qui-Gon would have probably sympathized with the separatists. Yeah, I do. I do consistently wonder about that um, because I feel like with and we get to this kind of in a question later um, that I wrote, but basically uh, like his conversation with Obi-Wan is what made me consider that. I'll leave that for later, but like that is definitely one of those things that I think about when I consider his transition, you know. I also, can I also say this about Yeah. He has wicked pajamas. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. They look comfy and functional. Comfy and functional. That's how you won that fight. <laughs> um, so we know he was a Jedi Master at one point, but uh, we as the audience and the Jedi Council are aware that he no longer identifies as a Jedi and has a red lightsaber. So at this point he has identified as a Sith. Um, we don't know if he's the Sith Lord or the Sith Apprentice or what. We just know he's the bad guy, right? Um, and he's leading the opposition, the Separatists, in the Clone Wars for a little bit. Uh, what about his character do you think let the Jedi think that he was above killing? So, for instance, like, where Mace is talking about how, like, um, like, he used to be a Jedi, he wouldn't do that, you know? Monday says he's an idealist, not a murderer. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I couldn't remember the quote, but I remember the scene. Yeah. He's a political idealist, not a murderer. Yes. Um... I, I watch Star Wars, I promise. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, I, I, I genuinely think, because when he left, I don't think he left, this, like, this, when Anakin left the Jedi and killed Mace and joined Palpatine, when he left, he knew what he was leaving to do. I don't think when Dooku left the Order, 
he was necessarily turning Sith. I don't think he was. I think he was probably slowly turned, having already lost faith. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And Dooku, I mean, it says that you know he because he was he wasn't a count when he was a Jedi because that was his family fortune, and when he left, he went back and reclaimed that fortune and retook the title of Count Dooku. I didn't he know was that. Just Dooku. And then, obviously, Darth Tyrannus is the Sith name given to mm-hmm. him after the fact. So I think probably at the outbreak of the Clone Wars on Genosis, they probably didn't know he was a Sith. That's true. Um, they they probably they just thought he was he had issues with the Republic. He'd lost faith in the Jedi. He was just from their point of view, he was another Ahsoka, but less cooperative. You know. Yeah. Um, someone who used to be a Jedi that isn't anymore and has lost faith in the Republic which kind of so did and she more mm-hmm. so lost faith in the Jedi more than the Republic but she didn't seem to be very fond of the Chancellor so we can take that as an extension mm-hmm. um, and I sort of think that one day maybe something snapped in him where he was like well, I'm, you know if I, I've been approached by this man who says that they can he can tear down the Jedi Order and I think they're corrupt anyway mm-hmm. so why not I often wonder how much Dooku really cared about the Sith because there was only two of them at any given time he yeah. probably I think round about when Qui-Gon died is when he left the Order because is that 10 year gap in Attack of the Clones I think so um, I'm currently reading Master and Apprentice and I it's it seems like it seems like Dooku's already gone but yeah. not necessarily entirely. Like, he's still somehow present in their lives. Um, because in, in this book, uh, Qui-Gon is with another Jedi whose master was Dooku. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like they both still kind of think of him fondly. So I don't know necessarily where he is, but I think he's already kind of transitioning out. Yeah, he's, he's on the way out. Like, mm-hmm. he was same way Qui-Gon was never allowed to sit in the council because he was too much fucking of outsider. You know? Yeah. Um, so I I kind of think that he just probably because Darth Maul was around and, you know, with this talk about the funeral of Qui-Gon and Master and, Appre- master and Apprentice, but which one was killed, the Master or the Apprentice? Mm-hmm. Maybe when they found out he was a Sith, they thought Maul was his apprentice, and they thought Dooku was the one who trained them all. Because they never knew who the Dark Sith Lord was, and then Dooku said that he has a master, and he's in the Republic. And then that's the Sith Lord they were looking for, mm-hmm. and Lord Sidious was he. And then, obviously, they still refer to Maul as like a renegade Sith Lord. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, this is, this is maybe, maybe Dooku isn't. Maybe, they're, maybe he lied to them, you know? Yeah. Um, and I wonder how dark they thought he really got during the Clone Wars because he didn't, he didn't seem to have much of a care for life. He knew he was orchestrating some sort of plan to take down the Jedi. Yeah. I don't think he necessarily thought an empire was rising because that was the grand scale. He just wanted rid of yeah. the Jedi, I think, in the end. He never cared if clone troopers or droids won. Palpatine certainly didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that was, that for me, when I started thinking about... Um, this conversation that we were going to have, I was thinking about the Geonosis battle specifically and how he, Christopher Lee is very good at portraying this in general, but like, um, 
how he kind of just stands tall, nose turned up to people, um, even though he doesn't know the full plan and he wants to act like he has his own full plan. And so he he's... projects power, you know? Yeah, yeah, he's I don't think, projecting I don't think that. Separatists knew there was someone above Duke. Right. And Some people, like, the, the Trade Federation knew there was a Lord Cities. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, generally, when you talk about the Clone Wars episodes where they go to the Separatist Senate and it's kind of like a Parliament building, mm-hmm. your average person probably just thinks Dooku's in charge. And... He is the head. He is the opposite to Palpatine. Him and Palpatine are on the same level. Yeah. Palpatine is the, cha- is the Supreme Chancellor of the Grand Republic and Dooku is the head of the Separatist Alliance. Mm-hmm. But what you don't know is Palpatine's actually the head of both of them. Right, right. Um, and I kind of think that's why they thought he was a political idealist for a long time. He was just, he just wanted to be a Chancellor. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be a Chancellor but not of the Republic because the Republic was yeah, and I wonder if they took his riches into account because I didn't know that about him. I didn't know that that's why he took on the title count, um, is because it was technically his to have. It, it was hereditary, but he had to, I think I'm sure he had to give it up because um, Jedi can't have all these material possessions and stuff. Then when he right. left, he could go back and reclaim it. Right. Yeah. I wonder if they thought about that. I wonder if they were like, oh, he's just being greedy, which is why he started the separatists in the first place, and they. I feel like, and this is now turning into a, we'll still talk about Dooku for sure, but this little tangent is definitely turning into a the hypocrisy of the Jedi thing, but um, I feel like when they looked at him, they kind of just brushed him off, because they were like, oh, well, we, we know his type because he was one of us at one point, and now he's just being selfish and wanted his title back, and he wants to be a chancellor, and I feel like their focus on Dooku and Maul and Grievous is not only did, cause I mean, Palpatine definitely like clouded their minds. Like he played a large puppeteering role in that cloudiness of them figuring out that it was him. But I feel like their concentration was also on them instead anyways. And that probably didn't help. And then they just the cloudiness of it all. And then the refocusing on the th- people that didn't actually matter. <laughs> Um, well, it's intense. I think what should, what should be mentioned for Palpatine, not Palpatine, Dooku, mm-hmm. is that Dooku was definitely exploiting um, issues that already existed in the Republic. Mm-hmm. You know, there was people who already wanted to leave, and there was people that kind of wanted to do other things, but were being kind of pressured into staying. Mm-hmm. But Dooku, what Dooku was doing is he was bringing them all together to say, we don't need to take this crap from the Republic that doesn't necessarily care about us and trade disputes and money and camp, you know, all that, that's, that's politics of Star Wars. Yeah. Politics of the real world as well. Yeah, um, big time. But, um, we're saying, here, these people really don't care about us, let us band together and leave this organisation. Mm-hmm. Looking at the camera like I'm in an episode of The Office. Yeah. Um, and from their, from, like, what Tambor's position, you know, he was just, ah, oh, yeah, this this guy's right. This guy's, he's, he's got the right idea. He's going to take us out. He's going to take us out. Mm-hmm. We're going to get Republics it done. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to leave. It's going to happen. We've got a little group now, multiple people, the Genosians. We're all gone. Mm-hmm. But um, what they didn't know was someone above Dooku was trying to make him exploit it. He yeah. pro- Palpatine, in my opinion, 
probably planted the seeds that made those people unhappy in the first place. Oh, without a doubt. If he had planted those seeds, he would have stayed in the Republic. Dooku wouldn't have been able to exploit them to make a different army to create Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. It's such a piece of political masterminding. Honestly, the Star Wars with Palpatine and Dooku, that could be a new series of the House of Cards. Yeah, it it is without a doubt Palpatine. And I think, did I have this conversation with Lauren? I don't remember who I was talking to about this recently, but I was just like, he... Oh, it was Lauren. It was, she and I were talking about, um, we kind of got on, like, the Rise of Skywalker discussion with our talk about Asajj and just, like, the dark side in general, and I was like, Palpatine is one of the biggest bads, like, in the history of writing and filmmaking and storytelling, and, like, while some things landed and some things didn't, there's no denying that, like, the thought process behind his ability to puppeteer all of this is incredible and scarily realistic but also really cool <laughs> to think well, about yes, how he did all of it to think of him his public face as being the head of the republic but his private face is also the head of the separatists yeah. and he was in control of a war he was no, even if the separatists were to win just because he underestimated their power i think he always knew the separatists were going to lose but um i think if they were to just win through magic He's fine anyway, because mm-hmm. he would go Lord Sidious, he would he would become Lord Sidious and speak to Dooku, then he would be controlling that, and the Separatists would become the Empire. Right. You know, that's what that thing that before uh, Rogue One stuff came out, before Disney's acquisition of um, Lucasfilm even, mm-hmm. when I watched Attack of the Clones and I saw the Death Star schematics on Geonosis, mm-hmm. I always thought, shit, the Death Star was supposed to be a Separatist weapon. And I always thought, what if the Clone Wars never ended? The Republic still existed, and so did the Separatists. We go to, you know, zero BBY, and the clones and the Jedi are all still fighting Count Dooku, and Lord Sidious, whoever he may be, and the Separatists. And it's just like Grievous it has, has remember, has shipped the Malevolence mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the big EMP cannon? Yeah. Very Death Star-esque. Yeah. But imagine if the Death Star actually was completed by the Separatists, and it was a droid ship, essentially. Could you imagine the Separatists using that on it? Yeah. Um, on Coruscant, and then they win the war. That's insane to think about. And it's kind of scary, which is so weird, because it's not real, but it's just like... I, I, I find it fascinating, because then, it, because obviously the leader was the same person in both parties, for him it's no big deal. I'm just moving one project from this folder to another folder yeah. in my documents. On yeah. Windows 10. Um Whereas, you know, from someone in the trenches position, they're like, huh, we just, we stole the, um, we stole the Nazi super weapon and then we're going to use it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's definitely interesting to think about how things could have turned out. Um, speaking of their relationship, actually, do you think that Dooku would have eventually overthrown Sidious? Do you think that he um, had that kind of ability or power or thought process? Um, I think he had that desire. Yeah. No, no, sorry, sorry. Let me rewind that. <laughs> I think he had the ability. I do not think he necessarily had that immediate desire. He seemed so okay. dedicated to Sidious and the war mm-hmm. that when the war was over, maybe he would take him over, or maybe he slightly, maybe he slyly hoped he would die mm-hmm. um, on Grievous' ship at the end of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. But um. He seems so dedicated to Palpatine 
and I also think that because I think he still thought he was part of the plan he thought he was going to live to see the end of the Clone Wars and I think Which maybe sure. he thought after this was all established he could make his move because mm. he was a political idealist he wanted to be in charge of something Yeah. and the th- reason I think if he tried he probably would have failed is simply because well, we kind of saw it Palpatine hid too much from him I don't think Palpatine was really fully aware of the extent of Order 66. Yeah. I think, again, like I say, he never really knew he'd been betrayed until Anakin had the lightsabers through his neck. Yeah. And I think that he probably just, in that moment, through all three years of watching the Clone Wars, or the, the, not watching it, but throughout the years in which the Clone Wars took place, two or three years, that between the fact that Clone Wars was it. I kind of think Duke probably was pretty happy on the station because he had to stick to the plan. I think had he, during the Clone Wars, overthrown Palpatine, then suddenly it becomes a really chaotic war. Because mm-hmm. now, now it genuinely is two independent powers fighting. Mm-hmm. Because when the Clone Wars were happening, it wasn't two independent powers. There was, the powers were tethered by a secret person upstairs. But when he's gone, then it just becomes who's going to win. It becomes like a regular war. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like um, with what you were saying about, like, Dooku just kind of, like, being happy in his position, I feel, I agree with you. Um, I wonder if in the moment when Anakin had the sabers to his neck, if he recognized that, like, it wasn't just about his position as, like, the leader of the Separatists, but, like, now Anakin was kind of screwed because Palpatine wanted him to do something, and so now it was going to become his turn. Like, if, if think, Dooku knew in that moment. In that final moment, it, it clicked, everything clicked for Dooku. Yeah. Dooku had, in that final moment where he's looking over at Palpatine and he's telling Anakin to kill him, I think it all clicked. I think it's like an epiphany where you don't need to really, you don't need to spend 10, 15 minutes thinking about it retroactively. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, everything you've ever considered pops into your head all at once and it fits like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And you know all. You understand everything you've been building to it and you see Ah shit! Mm-hmm. It's too late. Yeah. The game, the game's up. Um, if he was an acrobat like Ventress, he probably would have done some kind of cat backflip out of there. True. But um, Dooku's an old man, <laughs> and he was uncapable because he was also wearing a cape. And you know what Edna Mode said about capes? Yeah, no capes. No capes. It's too. It's. Also, I love what ifs. That's one of my biggest things. Um, is if Obi Wan had been conscious during all of that, like if everything else had gone the same, but Obi Wan was conscious, and Dooku would have lived. You think so? I am quite confident in that, and more evidence to that in my mind would be um, in episode two or three of the Siege of Mandalore, mm-hmm. where they talk about how Dooku's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we're doing spoilers, are we? Uh, yeah, we'll just, spoiler yeah. alert, skip ahead like 15 or 30 seconds if you don't <laughs> want a spoiler. Um, and we're talking about the death of Dooku, and he said Anakin killed him. And then I'm like, well, what were you doing? And I'm like, oh yeah, you were unconscious. Yeah. It's all so perfect. And Palpatine wanted, um, Palpatine wanted Anakin to leave Obi-Wan there. He was doing all he could to isolate Anakin from everyone around him. Yeah. He was probably over the moon that Ahsoka wasn't there. Could you imagine <laughs> if they came out of hyperspace to start Revenge of the Sith and Ahsoka's there? Yeah. It would make it a lot more difficult for Palpatine. It's making um, this these episodes so much harder to think about if Ahsoka had been present during these movies. 
Yeah, oh, you're like, well, that wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't have yeah. been this, We would have a lot of trouble, you know, uh, like, <laughs> going away without the thing. Yeah. Palpatine's sitting there ready to execute Order 66. He's like, mm. shit, I don't know if I'm going to get rid of this. But I kind of think that. Sorry, what was I saying? I don't I even remember. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Yeah. Ah, no. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot. We were talking about... Oh, sorry, I got a text. Um, We were talking about... The... Podcasting professionals. Huh? Podcasting professionals. I know, it's like we know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> we were talking about how... Uh, first, we were talking about Anakin killing Dooku. Anakin killing Dooku. Oh, if, if Obi-Wan hadn't been knocked out... Yeah. If Obi-Wan hadn't been knocked out, so if Obi-Wan hadn't been knocked out because he would have told him not to, and you know how it's not the Jedi way, and I shouldn't, Anakin was conflicted about that, but he had no one in the room to make him yield to his better judgment. Mm -hmm. He only had Palpatine there nagging him on his negative judgment. Yeah. And it would be like an angel and a devil on your shoulder. That's true. What to do. And I think he ultimately would have listened to Obi-Wan. I don't think he would have listened to the Chancellor. Yeah, I agree. Obi-Wan wasn't a set he wasn't present in the room mentally. Mm -hmm. He was somewhat unconscious he was taking a nap yeah yeah so i think obi-wan to me seems like he he was not a fan of anakin's decision but he just had to live with it yeah i agree um i think it was when i thought about that question um i'm so sorry i'm dealing with other things um that's fine but when I thought about that question, I was like, this seems like such an obvious answer, but at the same time, like, there's just so many moments where Anakin, like, didn't listen to Obi-Wan, but they were, they were simpler things. They weren't, like, murder, you know? So, I was just like, yeah, you, you, I still want to ask. Ignore, ignore Obi-Wan and maybe do a reckless plan. Mm -hmm. Maybe not, not ignore Obi-Wan and kill the leader of the Separatist Alliance when the Jedi might want to talk to him. Yeah. Also, yeah. when a politician's telling you to do it, who... Yeah! <sighs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, I'm kind of rearranging my questions really quick, because this one is still a little relevant to what we're talking about. Um, okay. I always felt like Dooku's conversation with Kenobi on Geonosis um, was him holding on to his past of being a part of the Jedi Order while also being committed to his new role um, but, like, I think it's a, a hold on to the past simply because he wanted to recruit somebody like Obi-Wan, who he knows so well to the point where why would he think that he would be able to recruit him, you know, after, even after explaining all of these, these dark plans. So what do you think his, like, true motivation was behind it? So, I can't, and I see this in Legends as well, when you mm -hmm. think of Vader having Starkiller as like a secret apprentice, when you even think of him having Ventress, Dooku having Ventress, yeah. and you think of Maul having his brother, yeah. and you think of potentially Obi-Wan and, Obi and Dooku. Sith always, I said it earlier, I don't think Dooku had a desire, maybe I'm about to completely contradict that, but I feel like the Sith at some point they always test the waters about maybe I'm going to have an apprentice. Just to try it out. It's a test. It's a prototype. See how yeah. it works, you know? Yeah. And if you, if you get caught, 
if your master catches you, well, <laughs> Palpatine caught everyone with the secret apprentice. You know, he For sure. Said, get that, get that person out of here. Mm -hmm. I am your master. You're my apprentice. If you do not listen to me, I will kill you and your apprentice. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why Dooku had to kill or try to kill Ventress. Mm -hmm. exactly. That's why Palpatine had to try and kill Maul and Savage, mm -hmm. but only killed Savage. Mm -hmm. Um, I think. And then also in uh, the Force Unleashed, why Palpatine told Vader to kill Starkiller, mm -hmm. because when you see your apprentice get trying to maybe get an apprentice of his own, no, 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 no. Yeah. I think the only reason Inquisitors were allowed is because the Empire was thoroughly in place, and I think also I think Palpatine also kind of knew in New Canon, not maybe in Legends, but in New Canon. I kind of think maybe Vader um, Palpatine thought Vader's too. He's too much of a bitch. Relative he's too far gone, yeah. He's, relative to me, he's too far He isn't going to overthrow me anytime soon. I'm yeah. fine. He, we can have Inquisitors that are force-wielding maniacs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And exactly. not have to feel the need for a Sith replacement. Mm -hmm. So I kind of think had Obi-Wan joined Dooku, or maybe if he wasn't even trying to find a Ventress at that stage, because obviously there was, early, there was early plans where Ventress was going to be in the Attack of the Clones. Ventress is an old character. That would have been concept. cool. Yeah. Well, I kind of think that the Qui-Gon Jim would have never joined you stuff. And uh, why don't you join me, Obi-Wan? That, that's where Ventress is in Attack of the Clones. That's where she kind of fits in, mm -hmm. if you think about it. Yeah. I've, I've got my, if you won't join me, I have my, I have my other dark side person here. And if you've seen the, the original Clone Wars animated 2D one, she's in that and Anakin originally gets his scar from Ventress on Yavin 4 mm -hmm. um, it's kind of I, I think that either he would have took, if Obi-Wan had fallen for it he would have maybe been taken on in a semi-serious role but he wouldn't have been a Sith apprentice he would have kind of been like a dark side disciple if you like mm -hmm. and by the time Palpatine found out about it he would tell him to kill Obi-Wan or they would build up enough strength to where they could overthrow Palpatine mm -hmm. and then Sidious should be the Grand Sith. But again, then it becomes an independent war with two independent sides. The thing about Palpatine was he was the hinge connecting the Republic and the Separatists controlling it all. So I'm not sure if that's me reading too much into something when it starts to break apart or if that is genuinely a risk that Dooku knew he was running when trying to kill Palpatine if he indeed was going to do it. Yeah, I feel like I I feel like if if he wanted to kill Palpatine, that was a good way to to start moving in that direction. Um, especially with someone like Obi Wan, someone Sidious would never expect to turn. And like honestly, when I thought about the question too, I was like, Obi Wan would never like he he is the ideal Jedi. Um, even without the hypocrisy like he because even Obi he has Obi, to me is the perfect personification of the jedi order the good and the bad yeah now, he had conflict of interest mm -hmm. became thing like um satine mm -hmm. yep exactly despite those conflicts he still stayed true to the jedi code mm -hmm. and without being from, like snotty from, about it <laughs> from beginning to end on the death star he was the perfect jedi knight of the republic he's true to straight even if you do not like oh i lost you for a second oh and some people a lot of people how we doing 
Hold on. Okay, you're back to normal. I don't know if you want to start that sentence over. Yeah, if you want to start that sentence over, just talking about uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan was the perfect personification of the Jedi Code and the Jedi Order of the Republic. Whether or not you like the Jedi Code or the Jedi Order of the Republic is a different issue completely, but I think from his first time in The Phantom Menace through to his last time on the Death Star, I think that Jedi with his conflicts with Satine, he still stayed with the Jedi through it all. I know he said he would have left if you asked. Mm -hmm. She didn't ask. We're moving over it. And he... And all the bad things as well, like when he's talking to Ahsoka on the Republic cruiser just before Revenge of the Sith starts. Again, Clone Wars spoiler. And she, he says that's not fair, and she's like, I'm not trying to be. He's genuinely following the Jedi Council orders. There was a reason he sat in the Council chambers when certain other Jedi didn't, like Qui-Gon or Anakin. Mm-hmm. Because Anakin kind of got in, but he kind of got in a dodgy way. Yeah. Um, he was, Obi-Wan was the perfect Jedi. I think he was the perfect Jedi. Number one, he survived Order 66. So that too. Go him. Yeah. But Good work. he was right up there with Yoda. Mm-hmm. He was up there with Yoda. Yoda was more powerful, maybe his species, whatever, his older wisdom. Mace Windu was kind of like, if, if Obi-Wan looked in a mirror, he'd probably see Mace Windu, like if it was two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Like, Obi-Wan represents the positive aspects of the Jedi Order, including its flaws, and Mace Windu represents the dark side of the Jedi Order, including its positive flaws. Yeah, I agree. No, entirely. Because Mace Windu is one of my least favorite characters because of that. And I and I recognize that, though. Like, I recognize that that's his importance. Like, that's his role to play. He's always devil's advocate. Um, which is, like, my mom's role in my life, you know? It's just, like, there has to be it. <laughs> it has to exist at some somewhere. It's just, like... The, the simplified version of it for me is like stop making Anakin so angry Mace and then maybe all of this wouldn't happen but at the same time like fate is fate uh prophecy is prophecy who knows what would have happened if Mace had been a nice guy you know but I agree like his his aspects balance nice them guy, he would have just been Obi-Wan Kenobi I think Obi-Wan Kenobi is a nice version of Mace Windu yeah. Mace Windu is a bad version of Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah exactly both still remaining true to the code and the order, mm-hmm. which is again they just respond the differently. Yeah. yeah, they respond differently. A different interpretation of the same text, you know. Yeah, exactly. Where people like Anakin just don't like the text and don't want to follow the text, and people like Qui Gon Jinn didn't want to follow it either. Mm-hmm. But again, didn't turn to the dark side. Yeah, exactly. He, I'm almost done with this book with Master and Apprentice, and I'm excited to kind of see how. Have you read it? No, I haven't. Do you mind if I put a spoiler? So the council offers him a seat, um, and that's one of the kind of a main battle in this. Like, obviously, there's physical things going on, but that's his internal battle. So him and Obi Wan yeah. are kind of at odds about it, um, which is the battle between them, kind of. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens. I'm still not done with it. I have like half I the book wish. left. I know. Well, and I'm wondering if that happens because I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not really sure where Dooku is in. I have, I have some weird um, Christopher Lee trivia relating to me. What do you mean? So, um, on the day he died, mm-hmm. I was in the library in my school. Mm-hmm. This is 20, I think 2015 or whenever it was he died. Um, and me and a, a friend of mine at the time, we were sitting talking about Star Wars, talking about the Clone Wars, talking about 
time to do Fubi came up. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what's, what's Christopher Lee doing there? We're talking about The Hobbit or something. Mm-hmm. Um, including that. And he's an old guy. And we googled him, his name, just to see if he'd been in the news recently or if you look at his filmography on Wikipedia. And just, you know, the initial Google preview that comes up with his Wikipedia profile and it said he died that day. Oh, he, man. It was, it was the day. We, and it, we didn't know he was dead yet. Yeah. But we googled it. It was like, oh, shit, he just died. Yeah. Oh, Very man. <laughs> Universal feeling too, gosh. Yeah. Oh. Also, great rock and roll singer. If you can get Christmas yeah. rock and roll Christmas album. Yeah, I didn't know that until like recently. I think like a few months ago, one of my friends and I were recording a podcast, and he mentioned that. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I'm not surprised, but but it's just so funny. What What can you expect from Count Dracula? Exactly. Like he he's an icon. Um. And when I think about, like, this conversation has really helped me appreciate him a little more, because when I thought about Dooku just in general, I would always um, just kind of think about him as a propulsion of Palpatine, you know? Like, he helped propel Palpatine forward through these little acts that he did. As all the princes do to maskers, they don't overthrow. True, true. And I, and I was just, just like, through this conversation, I've been thinking about how like, well, what if this had happened? What if this had happened? Um, and, like, we could have gotten, like, stories on the side of him doing things that were relevant to his personal uh, goals rather than the Separatist goals and Palpatine's goals. And that would be pretty cool to see. And I, there's a book out there, isn't it, like, Dooku Lost or something? Oh, hey. Dooku something. You no, know, I'm, not, I'm not even going to attempt to recall it, but yeah. there is. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to read that. The books I've read, uh, I've read a couple of Legends ones, I do it all in Audible, and I've read um, the Catalyst one, the prequel to Rogue One, mm-hmm. I've read the novelization of The Force Awakens, and I have the new Timothy's on Thrawn trilogy, mm-hmm. and I haven't I haven't read slash listened to whatever. Me neither. Fair. I, I haven't listened to them yet, but I've mm-hmm. bought them, they're on my Audible app, and they're nice. ready and waiting. I should just get that. I love, I mean, I love physical books. I have a literal bookshelf in my room because I love physical books. Um... But I feel like Audible would be beneficial for me. Um, the only audiobook I've ever listened to is Lost Stars, and it was amazing. It's the, it's incredible. The, the Star Wars books were specifically quite impressive because every once in a while they put in a little sound effect from the film. Yeah. If, the, if the narrator's describing a TIE fighter screeching through the air, mm-hmm. it's not loud, it's just a little echo. You think it might just be in your head. Yeah. And you're like screeching a TIE fighter in the background, and you're like, ah, there are the sound effects, that's great. Yeah, it's really cool. Also, as a side note to reference Harry Potter from earlier, if if you ever want to listen to Harry Potter or not, do it. Stephen Fry does the narrations and he tries to yeah. do the voices from the films and it's, <laughs> it's wonderful. That's awesome. It's absolutely brilliant. That's so, it's, I love that you mentioned that because I've been trying to read Harry Potter for years and I have the first two and I read them, but it was like years ago when I was traveling a lot so I took them on the airplane with me and stuff, but now I'm just like sitting here. And I don't have any of them, and I want because I want to get like the big collection, and I'm like, or I could just like listen to it like that. So you could buy the collection for your bookshelf, but actually consume them via Audible. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Um, so my last question about Dooku for you, I switched them up because this one seems like a fun one, possibly. Yeah, great. I don't know much about his past, but what do you think he was like as a Padawan? So this is more of a in your head, but. I think he was quite dedicated to to the orders and instructions given to him. I think he I think that's maybe why he snapped. 
Not so much. I think he probably gave everything to the Jedi. Mm-hmm. But then when he started to see cracks in it, he probably also then passed that philosophy down to Qui-Gon. Yeah. But obviously him being older than Qui-Gon led him to make more extreme decisions because he's a more confident man. Yeah. And I, I think he probably was quite dedicated to the Jedi at a younger age. Mm-hmm. I think when, when his master told him to jump, he said how high. Yeah. That's a good thought. I mean, I, I agree. I When I wrote the question, I tried not to give it too much thought because I like the, the raw conversation of it all. Um, when I imagine, like, him as a Padawan and then, like, Qui-Gon coming in as a Padawan even later and then kind of him being a Jedi Knight but not a Master yet and being able to influence Qui-Gon, I bet he, like... Almost like uh, common room conversations in Harry Potter. It's just kind of like they're hanging out somewhere and then they're just casually talking about things. And he brings up like his skill level, but also that he didn't do it the way such and such said he should do it. And that's why he did really well or something like that. You know, like a very dedicated Padawan that as he started to, like you said, see those cracks, he was passing them on slowly but surely. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, o- over time, mm-hmm. I, I actually think probably um, the way his life went with the Jedi is probably quite um, emotional for him. Mm-hmm. I wonder how he kept... I think probably a little bit like Anakin, the hate was the only thing holding him together in the end. Yeah. Pro- I think if he ever were to break... Because he was quite a stern, stern person. Mm-hmm. That can't do it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think if he were to actually break, he would have that. Almost like a... Have you, have you played Jedi Fallen Order? Yeah. You know when Order 66 is initiated and then um, Cal on the, is a Padawan and he's trying to save his master kind mm-hmm. of has like an explosion of force energy? Yeah. I imagine that's how Dooku would react if he cried. Yeah. I think he would have a really volatile reaction with the force if he were to, if, if he ever let loose. He never yeah. did. Yeah. Even when they tried to kill him when he was wearing his snuggly pajamas, <laughs> he never cried. Yeah. He's, he's very powerful and we don't get to see a lot of it. Like, he's... I think he's... Because he, he feels like more of a fencer. Yeah. Um, yes. Kind of a state, he's, he's, he's like a statesman. I don't think he's, you're supposed to see him given. I think if we ever were to see it, and I don't necessarily think we ever will, mm-hmm. um, nor do I have much of a desire to see it, but mm-hmm. if we ever were to see some sort of Dooku show, for lack of a better phrase, yeah. I think we probably would explore more of Dooku's psychology and his breakdowns. Mm-hmm. And it would be, I think it would be quite interesting, to be yeah. honest with you. But, um, I think we, when we see him, that's what, whenever we see him, he's supposed to be kind of Mr. Professional Working Man, and he's not allowed to show weakness because he's supposed to be the head of the Separatists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's he's standing tall and nose up until until he has to whip the lightsaber out, and even then, like you said, very, like, fencing, very formal of it all. He, he is, he's the very model of a modern major general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's it. Do you have any final thoughts on Dooku? Do you want to leave any thoughts with the people? <laughs> he was a fine man till the end. Till the end. <laughs> he never begged for his life. He never done a Palpatine. He never was like, don't, don't kill me, I'm, I'm too weak. <laughs> he held, he held true. He did. That Dooku, that man. He was, <laughs> he was, he was a true fella. Yeah. Well, well was awesome thank you so much for joining me on this um we're gonna have him on a clone wars commentary episode everybody so stay tuned for that um and thank you for listening get rid of me. <laughs> I'm not getting rid of you um nathan do you want to tell the people where they can find you 
Yes, uh -huh. yes, thank you for giving this great opportunity. Of course. Um, uh, first of all, like I said, it's been a great, great time, great experience just talking Star Wars. Um, thank you for asking me to of come course. here. Of course. And on Twitter, you can find me at Nathan Tinney. That's um, at Nathan, T-I-N-N-E-Y. Just to spell it, people can't sometimes. You can also <laughs> find me if you were to go onto Star Wars The Last Fan Group page on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, both of us are found there, and any you know you can type in my name in the members thing. You'll find me there under a moderator. And Instagram Nathan Tinney. Um, also, I do a podcast with a friend of mine, where it's more of a it comes under the very clear genre of two dudes talking. Um, <laughs> it's just me and my friend. He lives in Canada. But he's originally from Scotland. Um, he, him and his family emigrated a number of years ago now, but we still keep in touch all the time. We started a podcast, and it, the name is the name of the podcast is Name Not Included. And <laughs> nice. um, we really struggled to think of a name, so Name Not Included. We never thought of one. We've done reviews of the Rise of Skywalker. It's our longest episode, at two and a half hours long. We were wow. amazed that we were able to do a review that long. Yeah. Um, we talk about Star Wars a lot. We're going to do a special on the Clone Wars. He likes to watch arcs all in one, so he hasn't seen any of the Siege of Mandalore. He, didn't, he refuses to watch an arc until it's complete. Wow. We're special on that. We talk about kind of video games. We're big gamers. we just done a new episode recently. We talked about the new iPhone SE from Apple, um, The Witcher, you know, um, Borderlands. He makes YouTube stuff himself, but, you know, listen to our podcast for him to tell you <laughs> all about that. Um, and, you know, we would love to have more listenership. Sometimes when we talk about Star Wars, we can be a little bit more critical in aspects we don't like because it's easier to give them to hate. But any opportunity to gush about the parts of Star Wars we love, man, we will do it. And I can't wait to talk about the Clone Wars with them. So tune in for that. Nice. I'm excited to hear that. I'll have to take a listen. Um, you can follow myself personally at CJerica on Instagram, CJerica95 on Twitter. You can read my Star Wars Sunday blog posts at CheyenneHoover.wordpress.com, also known as The Kyber Crystal. Please feel free to share those posts. I am trying to be more consistent now that we're here in quarantine. Um, and I also have lots of other stuff on there. You can also follow the main channel here, Kessel Run Weekly, at Kessel Run Weekly on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, feel free to reach out, and don't forget to check our website, KesselRunWeekly.com. We actually have book reviews, blog posts, and the podcast episodes all in one place. Um, we are hopefully going to update it soon, so if you check it now and it's not quite updated, be patient. It will be soon. Thank you all so much for listening. May the Force be with you. Always. <laughs>